Good morning, everybody. If I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. If I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. If I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin, of when justice was served and where mercy wins, of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. To tell you my story is to tell of him. If I told you my story, you would hear victory over the enemy. If I told you my story, you would hear freedom that was won for me. If I told you my story, you would hear life overcome the grace, the grave. If I should speak, then let it be. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Let's pray real quick. Holy Spirit, come. Um, come tell your story. This is actually not my story, and I pray that the words that you bring forth this morning, that they would be pleasing to you, and that uh, the lyrics that, that we just heard, that those would be true, and that um, those here and those listening to this podcast would just see something beyond uh, just the normal workings of life of a man, and I pray that uh, overall you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. How many were here six months ago, August the 31st, when I shared the first part of the story? Okay, a little less than half. Did anybody then hear the podcast or listen to the podcast after that? Any more hands? Okay, so a few more. Um, how many of you had the takeaway that it was uh, about a house, that the hurricane that I was in was about a house? Anybody had that takeaway? I see some nodding heads. Well, those were some of the circumstances that I shared, but honestly, it's not about a house. Um, I remapped this out because uh, for those of you who haven't, hadn't seen it or haven't seen it, I wanted to bring it back into context and I know I scribbled it very quickly last time, but this is my life from 20 to present. And if you read it on a scale of zero being flatline, doing nothing, personal relationship here and actually really destructive behavior down here, you can kind of see where I went. Big trouble happening between 20 and 30. I kind of wake up through several death-defying events. 35, I get married. 42, I start the journey group with Norm. That's 2010. Norm, you believe it's seven years ago? Eight. Eight, thank you. Yeah, where does the time go? I can't believe it's been six months since I was here. At the age of 46 in 2015, I became unemployed, and we lost our home. And that losing of that home is really the beginning of the hurricane, the main hurricane that I was trying to share. In July of 2016, after 
starting up a business third quarter and fourth quarter of 2015, we really did well. The Lord blessed in the first and second quarter of 2016, such that in July, we worked off the work that we had and there was nothing to do. Every time I tried to make a sales call, marketing pitch, go make something happen, I got nothing, crickets. I had no work to do. The phone wasn't ringing. And my deal with the Lord, if you can make a deal with the Lord, is he brings the phone calls in, he brings the emails in, my job to respond to those. July 2016, all I heard from him was rest. That's the word that I was given. I had no idea what that meant. So summertime, kids are on vacation. They're running around the house doing kid stuff. Dad doesn't have anything to do. His office is next to the kid stuff. What do you do? Go get with the kid stuff. So kid in this arm, kid in this arm. We're watching Scooby-Doo at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in July. And I'm resting. Okay? What does rest look like for a guy who goes? We go. We wake up and we go. We make something happen. Rest. I didn't know what that meant, but that was a foretelling or a foreshadowing of the events to come. So let's move forward. And as you can see, things are just kind of, they're not terrible. They're not going to destructive behavior, but we're not making any great strides to abiding that we learned in the journey group. Okay. 1220 of 16. So a little over a year ago, I just looked and it's my last journal entry. I had been journaling ever since the journey group. We, we end in John in the journey group journaling. And I finished through Revelation, said, what do I do now? I went to Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Lamentations, and I couldn't take it in Lamentations anymore, so I skipped to Genesis. Okay? So there's some Genesis stuff going on here, but the last Genesis recording was journal entry here. And I think that's critical. I think that's important because what I heard from Brian's story was there's a 14-year gap between the really rich journaling and then when he picked it back up. So big red flag going on here, okay? At the end of December, January, February, March, we get the notion. We feel Lord-led. He put the things in place. Lord, only you can make this happen. We buy the Nightmare on 21st Street. There's the house, the plagues, everything you can imagine. We're working 20-hour days. When we're supposed to be sleeping in the four hours, we're not. We're laying there crying and praying. What do we do, Lord? Trudge on. So that's March. It was supposed to be a 30-day project. We're still working on it. In August and September, I start reading Ortberg's Soul Keeping. And if you haven't read this book, my brother gave this to me. And at the time, I was so busy and hurried that I didn't have time to read a book. So it took me a little bit to pick it up. But if you haven't read this book, I highly suggest it. Get with me after if you, if you need that reference. But I started reading that, and I learned things about what the soul is. And um, I had no idea what a soul was. What's your soul? Well, that's what dies and goes to heaven. No, that's your spirit. Okay? So... Um, what is the soul? The soul, according to Ortberg, is your will, your mind, and your body. Those three things make up the soul. And what I learned by reading this book 
on page 129 is the soul needs rest. And the soul needs uh, sustaining. What did Jesus do? What, we have a perfect picture of a soul that's working here. He says he prayed. Was I praying during that time? You bet. He had a circle of close friends. The 12 who went, went through life with him, he shared everything with them. People underestimate the role of a friendship in Jesus' life. I have my foxhole. Got some guys who alongside me and others. He engaged in regular corporate worship at synagogue. We're going to church. We're mosaic folks. He fed his mind with scripture. I didn't stop having quiet time when my last journal was here. My wife has written a 365-day uh, devotional, and I was still doing it. It was kind of a 15-minute thing, a quick thing. I wasn't just going through Genesis and doing the journaling and that kind of thing. So I didn't stop the quiet time. Still had that. It was just very abbreviated. But I wasn't really feeding my mind with Scripture. He enjoyed God's creation, mountain, garden, and lake. There was no enjoying God's creation. In fact, I was questioning when I'm dealing with spiders and snakes and mold and everything else that God created, how could I enjoy his creation in that? He took long walks. There were no long walks. He welcomed little children and hugged them and blessed them. I didn't have time for little children, not even my own children. We left our children to kind of deal with themselves while we're working on the house because we've got to work on the house and make a home. He enjoyed partying with non-religious types. I love that. I used to enjoy partying with non-religious types. I spent a decade, I was really good at that, okay? <clears throat> now that looks a little different, but Jesus did it, okay? So the soul, there's something to this soul thing. So I'm reading this book, Soul Keeping, I'm learning, wow, there's different parts to my soul. What do I do with this, okay? I come and share on August the 31st, I come and share with you guys that that I knew, I really didn't hit on this rest. I, I kind of left that out. We didn't have time to cover it. I don't know what happened, but I missed that. So I wanted to bring that back. But I did share that through reading through this and through my wife saying, I can't take this anymore, we had a family meeting. We called the kids in. We called the wife in. What, we got to do something different. This isn't working. What do we do? Well, my wife and I had always struggled with what does Sabbath rest look like for us. Our homes, we grew up, Sabbath, keep the Sabbath day holy. Sunday, you know, you just wear your black socks and you read the paper and you don't do much, don't breathe too much. Okay, good. Don't get your cow out of the ditch. Okay. We hadn't done that. As a family, we would do whatever on Sunday. And most of the 14 years of marriage, I've been working, trying to make a home for her and the kids. Sabbath family day of rest. We go to Mosaic at 5 o'clock on Saturday nights. So what does that look like? We don't have the traditional Sunday morning, put your Sunday best on, shiny, come home, take a nap, watch sports, whatever that looks like. So bright idea, noon Saturday to noon Sunday is going to be our Sabbath rest. What does that look like? I don't know. We're family. Let's talk about that. Let's make that up. Let's figure out what that is. And so, another bright idea, more discussion. Each family member, there are four of us, we're going to take turns, and each Sunday morning, you get to decide what the family event is going to be. 
Some family members chose bike riding. Some family members chose taking the canoe out. Some family members chose going to Branson. Some family members said, let's have brunch. Some family members said, let's play a board game. <clears throat> so that's looked like lots of different things. And we've got to see inside each other's hearts a lot through the activities that were chosen and those activities on those Sunday mornings. But theoretically, I work Saturday mornings. I shut the tools off at noon and I clean up and I rest and I prepare my heart for worship, mosaic, five o'clock Saturday night. And I have the whole evening after that. <coughs> Excuse me. Then I wake up leisurely. That's new and different. Sleep in. Okay. Sunday morning, sleep in. And then we get up and we do our thing. So that's what it's looked like in the Marshall home for Sabbath family rest. Long in here. November the 29th of 17, I start back journaling in Genesis. And today, February, I'm still on that path, journaling pretty frequently and regularly through Genesis. In fact, moving closer to Exodus. And I think it's very ironic that we are now studying Exodus in Mosaic, the exile. <clears throat> My wife refers to this unemployed lost home as the exile. She has been looking forward to this series. So we're learning. We're going we're gonna to grow through that. Um, Hebrews 4.6. I shared that with you. Um, 4.6 and 4.7. Thank you, Scott. And really 4.9. Well, let's, let's just read part of Hebrews 4.6. So God's rest is there for people to enter. Seven. So God set another time to enter his rest, and that time is what? That time is today. Today is the day to enter God's rest. He created it for us. He says so in Hebrews. Hebrews 4, 9, so, there, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Ten, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. He gave us, in Genesis, a perfect example of rest. Did God, in all of his godness, did he need to rest? I think not. Why did, he, why did he do that then? So knuckleheads like me would get a picture. Work, rest. You have to have rest. Your soul needs rest. In Exodus, they're out there wandering around the desert complaining we're hungry he gives them manna he tells them gather so much on these days and they tried to gather too much and it turned sour then he says gather this much double six days gather seventh day i'll take care of you i will take care of you that's the promise that he gave them the israelites his people that's the promise he gives to me today in hebrews 4 9 it says there is a special rest created for me. So what do your mind think of when you think of rest? Do you think of laying really, 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 really still? I'm an active person. That doesn't work for me. There may be times when I need to do that. And I read recently that spiritual maturity is when you can. I think Ortberg even says that, that I'm spiritually mature if I can get still. I'd probably agree with that, and I've got a long way to work on that. So that's a good goal for me. 
What does rest look like? If it's not laying real still, how active can you be and still be rested? Scott sent out something on Sunday that gave us a chart, the differences between busy and hurried. And I heard some talk this morning about, you know, hey, that's good stuff. That is good stuff, okay? Folks, to me, what I read in Hebrews 4, this is not a sedentary, rest is not a sedentary thing. This is active. And for an active person, maybe I can engage in this. I have to go to the rest. I have to give something up to get the rest. I have to work at resting. And that's careful, and that's a tricky slope, but that's what he requires. We heard from Brian, and we heard through Matthew, come to him and rest. His yoke is light. So there's a special rest. Um, I recently, for a business group, took what's called the Gallup-Clifton Strengths Test. And it apparently ranks you in all kinds of things. Some of you may be familiar with this. And through this test, they gave me the top four. And the top one apparently is achiever. <clears throat> Let me read what you say, that, what they say about achieving. My achieving theme helps explain my drive. Achiever describes a constant need for achievement. I feel as if every day starts at zero. By the end of the day, I must achieve something tangible in order to feel good about myself. And by every day, I mean every single day. Work days, weekends, holidays, vacations, I have to achieve something. Apparently I'm weird. No matter how much I feel I may deserve a day of rest, if the day passes without some form of achievement, no matter how small, I feel dissatisfied. True. I have an internal fire burning inside me. It pushes me to do more, achieve more. After each accomplishment is reached, the fire dwindles for a moment, but, every, but very soon it rekindles itself, forcing me toward the next accomplishment. My relentless need for achievement might not even be logical. Really? It might not even be focused. Really? but it will always be with me. As an achiever, I must learn to live with the whisper of discontent. It does have its benefits. It brings me the energy I need to work long hours without burning out. It is the jolt I can always count on to get me started on new tasks, new challenges. It is the power supply that causes me to set the pace and define the levels of productivity for my work group. It is my theme that keeps me moving. What a curse, right? <laughs> that looked good on a resume. Achiever, yeah. So what does that look like? What does rest look like for an achiever, for a guy who wakes up at zero and by the end of the day, I've got to do something meaningful for me to feel like my self-worth is good? What does that look like? Well, it's not sedentary. It's not laying still till the feeling goes away. It's resting. So what does that look like? I feel that I'm being led back to this abiding. 
I have a picture that's just very recently been given to me, and I shared this with my foxhole last week, and I think probably 90% of them just really thought that I was wacko, okay? But I'm going to share it with you again. I have this visual, it's a visual image now of the Heavenly Father and Jesus were sitting in a pasture, and I am the sheep, and I am leaning into them. And we're resting. It's like a rock. It's like my father. It's like my savior. And I'm leaning into them and I'm resting. This picture that's been given to me is not vibrant. It doesn't have all the color of a painting, but it looks like a painting, but it's fuzzy. What that means to me is I'm not fully resting, but I've seen it. I've seen a glimpse. I now have something tangible. I'm a, I'm a goal guy. I'm an achiever, apparently. Achieving for me, resting for me, is going to that picture. How do I get there? We just read it. Jesus gives us the path. Page 129 of Ortberg. He prayed. He had a circle of close friends. He engaged in corporate worship. He fed his mind with Scripture. He enjoyed God's creation. Mountains, gardens, lakes. He took long walks. He welcomed little children, hugged them, blessed them. And he enjoyed partying with non-religious types. Cool. That's what rest looks like. I have a picture. And I pray each day that that picture will become clearer and clearer. It's active. It's not sedentary. I can achieve that is my achievement. Exodus 33:14. Moses he's scared. What am I going to do, Lord? And the Lord says, "I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you." If God promised Moses in that time, do you think his tasks were any more daunting than a stupid house on a stupid street? I think so. I think he was trying to lead a people. God's with him. Give him rest. In Mark 2.27, Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. This is after they were harvesting some grain on Sabbath and the people were ah, working on the Sabbath. It's for the needs of the people. He created it. It's available. It's there today for me to enter into. It's there today for you to enter into. How do you do that? I don't know. But we're working on it. We're figuring out. So in summary, the hurricane is not about a house. The hurricane is about my lifelong work, my achieving personality versus rest. This war of work and rest finally came together with those events, and my wife said, I can't do this anymore. I can't take this anymore. My kids said that too. That's the hurricane. So the search for a home for the family 
led us to the search for rest. The rest that we have achieved is now leading to more rest, deeper rest, abiding rest. This is no small thing here. This is the thing. My brokenness, as, as this guy, this timeline guy, I would have considered myself as sole provider. That's my role as a man. I'm supposed to go bring home the bacon. I love bacon, by the way. Sole provider. That's what I do. If I do that, I'm in. Okay? I've been broken through many toils and snares, broken into now. I am learning what it takes to be a soul of provision. This, folks, is self. Self-sufficient, self-made man, selfish, that's this guy. Somewhere in here, we start seeing glimpses of the soul of provision, God's provision. And now he's provided me through pain, a glimpse of rest that I can achieve. I can achieve that, very achievable. I can't do it as sole provider. I can't do it as self. I have to go to him to do that. My true strength, I thought my strength was working and achieving. My true strength is in my quiet spirit. The quieter I get, the more toned down my work is and my achieving and my striving, the stronger I am. My wife can see that. My wife needs that. My kids need that. My foxhole guys need that. My best strength is a quiet spirit. So in all of this, what is my position with God? Do I have my hand back? Am I dragging him along? I can tell you that I did when I was self-sufficient. I was dragging him. Or is my position arms crossed and just... Maybe laying real still. Or are my hands outstretched? Am I reaching for him? Am I grasping for him? Am I desperate for him to lead me to that place of rest that I can, I can see it? Where and how do I see God and the Holy Spirit working in this? His fingerprints are all over this. And it's shocking to me that six months has passed since I stood here. And many of you would hope that in six months that this resolved, that this got better, that I found the answer. And I would love to report that. I do believe I have found the answer, and that's rest. But folks, I got a long path to get to that rest. That is no easy task, but I'm an achiever. I can work towards it.
okay? A couple of verses, we talked about Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come, all who are weary. We're weary, we're exhausted. Galatians 5, 25 in the message says, the life of the Spirit is chosen. It's not just an idea, and you've got to work out every detail of it. And then... If I can pull this up, Isaiah 30, 15. Again, this is in the message. God, the master, the holy of Israel has this solemn counsel. My salvation requires me to turn back and stop my silly efforts to save myself. Soul provider. My strength will come from settling down in complete dependence on him. Soul of provision. The very thing I've been unwilling to do, because I've said, Nothing doing. I'm going to rush off on horseback. He says, you'll rush off all right, just not far enough. You can't get away from this. I say, I'll ride off on fast horses. He says, do you think your pursuers ride old nags? Think again. A thousand of you will scatter before one attacker. Before a mere five, of five, you'll all run off. There'll be nothing left of you. A flagpole on a hill with no flag a signpost on a roadside with the sign torn off. But God's not finished. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes time to do everything right. Everything. Those who wait around for him are the lucky ones. What's your rest look like? 